All right, welcome to the MindWorks podcast with Dre and Kev. Today we're actually going to be talking about um, a beautiful documentary that was recently released on Netflix. It's um, the documentary name is called Stutz. It's actually written by Jonah Hill, Mm -hmm. and I believe, um, man, I keep messing this guy's name up. Try it, Jaquan Phoenix. (laughs) No, Hakeem Phoenix. Hakeem. Hakeem. Hakeem Phoenix is one of the producers, and um, Hakeem Phoenix actually um, produced a a really good movie, uh, I guess, before this one. Uh, That movie was called Come On, Come On. Uh, Great movie. Definitely talks, definitely gets into, like, the aspect of psychology and talks about a family that was affected by a father who has bipolar disorder. So very great movie. Um, And there was actually an interesting, I guess, like, scene where he reads, like, a a story book to to the kid. And uh, that storybook is actually a really interesting um, uh, book for, for kids. So, I mean, um, what was it called? Called Star Child. Very great book. Uh, I definitely recommend it for parents to read to their kids because it offers a lot of insight and it's very existential. It's basically about life. And uh, I'll definitely try to recommend holding back tears and reading that book. Wow. It's really deep. Matter of fact, let's play a little clip of that, uh, that, that scene where he's reading the book to the kid. To visit planet Earth, you'll have to be born as a human child. And first you'll have to learn to use your new body, to move your arms and legs, to pull yourself upright. You will learn to walk and run, to use your hands, to make sounds and form words. Slowly, you will learn to take care of yourself. Here, it is still and peaceful, but there the colors, sensations, and sounds will wash over you constantly. You will see so many living things, plants and animals beyond imagining. Here it is always the same, but there everything is in motion. Everything is always changing. You will be plunged into Earth's river of time. There will be so much for you to learn and so much for you to feel pleasure and fear, joy and disappointment, sadness and wonder. In your confusion and delight, you will forget where you came from. You will grow up, travel and work. Perhaps you'll have children even grandchildren of your own. Over the years, you will try to make sense of that happy, sad, full, empty, always shifting life you are in. And when the time comes to return to your star, it may be hard to say goodbye to that strangely beautiful world. All right. So as you saw, that scene was very touching. It was very... uh... Uh, emotionally impacting. I really uh, enjoyed that scene. It really was a, a touching scene, and I think it meant a lot in terms of life in general. But anyway, going back to Stutz, right? So Stutz is actually a really interesting documentary because it's about a therapist and his client, who was Jonah Hill, and they talk about his sort of work and his tools to help people manage their anxieties and depression. It's actually a very interesting documentary, and I guess we'll go through it. Um, what's your opinions about the 
documentary. What do you think about it? So I got a lot of opinions on the documentary. I got some notes because <laughs> Professor Dre was like, yo, watch the video. We're going to talk about it. So I was watch like, yo, I got to come ready for class, right? <laughs> uh, I have a lot of opinions about the context, the process, everything. But overall, I love it. Overall, I think it's a W for the mental health field. I think it's a W for the psychology field. I think it's a W for men's mental health mm-hmm. because Jonah Hill is a man and also he has a male therapist. I, hey, man, I think that these conversations need to happen more often and documentaries like this, movies like these, uh, it's very necessary for the culture. Yeah, yeah. For the field. <clears throat> a lot of the things that he discussed are things that I actually incorporate in my therapy sessions. So I was actually yeah. surprised like the whole concept of finding meaning within opportunity or, or adversity. You know, I always tell people a lot of times, like always search for the negative, the positives. There's always a positive in every negative outcome. That's beautiful. I always tell people that there's, you can, there's always a positive and I guarantee you a hundred percent. There's always a positive in every negative situation that you go through. You just got to look for it. Yeah. So hopefully off of this video, you get a little more context into his therapeutic interventions, more on the like psychological part of it so you, we could get a little bit more in detail and hopefully you could use some of these tools in your life. That's what he called it, the tools. The tools for life, Yeah. right? So let's get into it. So one of the tools that he actually discusses in the movie was something called the three aspects of reality, which I really agree with because three aspects of reality are based on things that you cannot avoid. Right. You know, I think, and it, it, this is where I think his work gets very existential and I think it, it, it becomes like, you know, it always reminds me of the books I read from Irvin Yalom and other existential uh, philosophers. And one of the things that the three aspects of reality that he basically talks about is this idea of uncertainty, pain, and constant work. Mm. Very interesting stuff because, you know, sometimes I guess like even like as parents, you know, we kind of want to, we don't want our child or kids to really suffer like that and. And kind of, um, you know, pain is a part of life. Right. You know, it's kind of like every time my son is kind of like doing something and I get worried, like, don't do that. Don't do that. You know what I mean? It's like I I tell myself, like, but, you know, pain is a part of life. Like he is going to fall. Right. And he's going to get back up. Right. So a very interesting uh, aspect of reality. What do you think about the other two? Uncertainty and constant work. I think constant work is a beautiful thing to say because we just came off our episode number four I believe it was where we talked about action and how therapy is action and one of the beautiful things that Studs came in Uh, in the beginning of the documentary he was like do what the fuck I tell you right so it's not just (laughs) hey I'm gonna just sit here and you can just unload on me at the end of this session or somewhere in this session I after I give my psychoanalysis about what's going on I'm gonna give you some tools I'm gonna give you some perspective and then I'm gonna tell you to do something and do what the fuck I tell you so I like that part. I like that part a lot. And I think that constant hard work and constant action is a part of life. I think that is especially important nowadays in the social media era that us as humans, we have to act and we have to take, we have to physically move, which we're going to talk about a little bit more later, but we have to physically move towards our goals, mm-hmm. right? It's not just let's think about it. Let's conceptualize it. Let's vomit. Uh, let's find some validation, some empathy here and there. It's like, all right, bro, now you kind of understand the situation a little bit better. You understand yourself a little bit better. Here are some things that are going to help you. Now go fight the world. See you next week for session, and we're going to talk about it. <laughs> that, yeah, I, I, like, I like the fact that Stutz is like one of those, I guess, therapists that does do things, like does take action with his clients. Yeah. 
And he does mention that a lot of the traditional type of therapy today is more like we're like a neutral entity. Like we're like a dog without a fight. And I, and I really, I really felt that because sometimes I really feel like I have to tell the client like, bro, you, what you're doing here, you staying in this relationship is wrong, you know, like, but I can't tell the client that I have to like allow, I feel like personally, it's, it's more, it's, it's a lot, you know, I'm big on self-empowerment mm. and I always stress the idea that questions are a way of allowing an individual to become more self-empowered. Right. So like, you know, I, I do believe in that traditional sense, but at some points there's just times where as a therapist, you kind of are just like, uh, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> you know, right. Like, why would you do that? But at the same time, you kind of have to understand and practice empathy and you have to be also like realistic and stuff like that. And I, you know, I wonder, you know, Stutz would be an interesting character to, to work with. He'd be like an interesting therapist to work with because he's very, you know, I guess, if you've been in the field for how long he's been in the field for like 50 Oof. years, 40 years, if you've been in the field for that long, I think at that point you have a right to tell someone <laughs> like, right. like do what I tell you and trust me on this. Like I've talked for 40 years. I've been talking to people and trying to help people. Yeah. No, I just like his presentation as well. He seems so grounded. He seems so knowledgeable. He seemed very, very experienced. And like you said before, one of his things, his contentions with psychology and mental health is just that we're just bystanders and we're just not there to actually intervene more directly right so that's one of his things in his research when he was talking about he's like yo i want to be that guy to you know get a little bit of a, like a coaching role as well right not just the listener well he said that he's more like a teacher mm. and, I, and i really like like that because i i noticed myself becoming that a lot especially when as a as a therapist and i'm pretty sure a lot of therapists can agree that there's been some points in your practice where you've provided psychoeducation to people. For sure. And, you know, you educated them on diagnosis, mental health disorders, uh, other things like uh, past experiences of other people you've probably worked with. You know, you self-disclose things about yourself. So, you know, it, it does it does kind of have the essence of like a, a teacher kind of role, his, his way of doing things. And I think he mentions that as well. Yeah, psychoeducation. <clears throat> yeah, psychoeducation. That's a big part of therapy. What was the second so the second thing he talks about is this idea of part X, right? And I think part X is very interesting because it's like an invisible villain in your life's journey, right? It tries to keep you away from evolving. And the most important thing to do is know how it talks to you and learn how to master it, mastering part X. So basically, I guess every, every person in this journey has a, has a villain in their life, whether it be their own anxiety, other people, family members, society, politics, whatever the, the, the villain is. It's like an invisible villain in your life's journey. So I think that's actually a very important thing to highlight within yourself as an individual. And I think it goes into like what it is exactly that you want to work on. Like what are your goals? And I think that goal, there's some part X to that goal which is the villain. Yeah. There's like the antagonist in your own film mm -hmm. is the one that's there always to pass judgments. The one that's there to hold you back from making progress. So this part X thing is very real, man. We all have that little inner voice, man. I mean, some, some people in, in YouTube, they call it the inner bitch. Right? <laughs> it's like that inner, the inner just, bitch, <laughs> just that inner guy or whatever in there. That's ready to criticize, that's ready to compare, that's ready to say that this is not possible, that's ready to just, you know, just be the opposite of whatever actions and thoughts that you need to incorporate into your life to make that push forward. So we all have that little part X. We have, I think it's very important for us to kind of 
be self-aware about it and build a relationship with it so then we can not let it hold us back. Exactly. So that is the part X. Um, the next thing he talks about is this idea of the life force. And he says, imagine a pyramid, right? At the bottom is your relationship with your body, right? And then he goes into people. And at the top is you. Now, I really, I really like this sort of concept because I notice it being something of real importance within the therapy work with people. You know, a lot of times, every client I have, I always ask them about, like, what are you doing? Do you exercise at all? You know, and that's like a big thing. And I've noticed it, you know, personally speaking, people who do exercise tend to manage their anxieties and their depression a little bit more effectively. I think like uh, better with the handling of the depression rather than the anxiety. Cause I still think people that work out tend to have a lot of anxiety as well. Sure. But I think uh, exercises, I think I personally feel like it's better for depression than anxiety. Right. But I don't know. Everyone's different. But I just noticed that because I, I was thinking about it the other day, especially when I was watching this film. Excuse me. I, um, I thought about my clients and I noticed that the ones that suffer from anxiety are the ones that actually do go to the gym a lot. Mm. You know, and like, um, you know, still like, OK, so if you're going to the gym, why is your anxiety not really alleviated to a certain degree? Yeah. Like, I mean, it can help. I think it helps more with like depression and feeling good and feeling in a better mood. But anxiety is anxiety. It's a little right. different, you know, which is interesting to point out. But I still think exercise is important regardless. Yeah. I mean, I think it goes a little bit beyond what we think because I also am in the same boat. Like, I think research shows that that's the one tool that you can instantly use that's at your disposable that's going to help you with some of these symptoms, symptoms that, you know, are occurring in your life. So exercise your body is your number one thing that you have control over. You might not have control of your job at the time or your living situation or your partners at the time, but you have control of your body. And it starts there. It starts with moving your body. And, you know, there, again, I always go back to social media, but it's not even about looking good for the IG. Like, it's about feeling good for the D. Right. Like the inside, the actual you like you want to have your body and blood circulating, your vessels, your your brain nourished and everything kind of flowing. And you're not just sanitary. We're not created to be sanitary beings. You said you said for the D, the D. No, the T-H-E-E. <laughs> yeah. That too, no, maybe. You know, you, you, it, that helps with that as well. No, right? that's true. That's true. Gives you more stamina, more blood flow, more vigor. You know, more vigor. Whatever you want to call it. It's that too. That too as well. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's an important part. So that's on the bottom of the pyramid. And you know, this pyramid idea once again comes from like that. Abraham Maslow's uh, hierarchy of needs type of thing, right? Like how basically um, the hierarchy of needs of, of self-actualization is at the top, but he puts it in more simpler terms. Like it's just basically your body. You got to take care of that. And then the people around you is very important because they have a large influence on you. And I'll definitely agree on that. The people that you surround yourself for sure. And we all, we all kind of, we should all know this by now. Right. Especially because of instant therapy and yeah. stuff. Right. <laughs> but like, we all know that the body, the, the, the people that you surround yourself with has a large impact on how you as an individual get through life. For sure. Right. So we're social beings. We want it. We want to connect. Exactly. And you know, um, it's definitely important to take that into consideration. The people that you associate yourself with, if it's, if you're looking to improve your mental health, some people are literally like poison for other people. And I don't know why, but a lot of times, even just knowing that fact, a lot of people still end up like, um, you know, uh, hanging out with those people mm. or 
you know, not really getting to a point of like, okay, let me get rid of this person because this person is like, you know, toxic. It's like we still allow those people in our lives. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if anyone out there really wonders why. Why do we still let these people in our lives? You know, is it a sense of comfort? Is it a sense of uh, just feeling like welcomed by that person or whatever the case may be? It's just interesting how we still, you know, stay with people that are toxic for us. Yeah, I think it's part also attachment styles, which could be a whole other episode on its own. Mm-hmm. But attachment style has a big thing to do with it. So yeah, body, other people to build social connections. And then and yourself. Yourself. So yourself as in terms of taking care of yourself, you know, once again, working on your own self in whatever way is subjected to your well-being. Um, and he basically said that if you take care of these three aspects of your life, he basically says that you'll feel more alive. So that's a, an interesting thing as well. Yeah. Yeah. Again, his version of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Yeah, basically. It's kind of like that, you know. Um, <clears throat> what are the juice he has in there? What his, uh, oh, the what juice? So he has this thing called the, the string pearls, which was a good one. You know, I actually really enjoyed this part of the, the movie. Um, he basically talks about, you know, imagine a pearl string. And I think he actually, like, draws it visually. That's another thing about uh, Stutz. He oh, has yeah. a very visual way of therapy. Like he doodles on these cards, I guess, between people's sessions or maybe mm-hmm. uh, at the end of every session with someone, he draws a certain thing that they talked about and discussed and visualizes it and says that this is a better, this is a way of communication with others because it's not using words, it's using more like visual learning and stuff like that and i think that's actually pretty cool yeah his drawings were actually pretty dope he put in a little index card and he would just like sketch out his ideas and it'll give you like you said a more visual compensation of what he's talking about yeah basically he said that each pearl is an action that you do every action small or big has the same pearl size no effort you make is perfect like no pearl but it also doesn't have to be just do it Life is about putting the next pearl on the string, right? So also part of the pearls that he was talking about was the turd inside the pearl. Like not each pearl is going to be perfect and it's going to have a little turd, which is going to be like the, the not the imperfections of each action. So it's very important to just keep stringing along the next pearl instead of thinking about the, the, the turds and the the things that maybe didn't go to your perfection. Um, Again, this is going back to action. Yeah, yeah, I like the string of pearls. It's action oriented. Everything that's action oriented, I'm about it, man. <laughs> nah, yeah, for sure. Um, so, you know, uh, another thing that he talks about within the documentary is this idea of the shadow. Now, this was actually a really good one. I yeah. really love this one. Yeah, I feel like the shadow gets very like almost like psychoanalytic. Yeah, hundred percent. So basically, what he says is that the shadow is a part of you that you're ashamed of. Right. And avoiding it costs you energy. And I really agree with this one because I feel like a lot of people, it's not even just like the shadow itself, the part that you're ashamed of. But I also feel like this goes into the whole topic of resentment. You know, like uh, so a lot of times when I work with people, a lot of people always have this issue with uh, forgiving another person for being done wrong by them. Now, mind you, I understand every situation is different, but. At the end of the day, if you constantly hold on to that resentment with other people, it's basically going to be like poison to yourself. Mm-hmm. A very interesting book. Um, it was um, the gift of therapy, uh, the gift of forgiveness. Oh, okay. Or something like that. The gift of forgiveness. Yeah. It was written by Catherine Schwarzenegger. 
you know, Schwarzenegger. Ar- Arnold Schwarzenegger's daughter. Yeah, yeah, get to the chopper. <laughs> yeah. Why? It's a pretty good impression. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> shout out to Arnold too, man. He's a monster. Yeah, shout out to Arnold, man. Shout out, shout, shout out to Arnold. I didn't know he had a daughter, and I didn't know she read, she wrote. She's a social books. worker. Oh, interesting. Yeah, supposedly she's a social worker. But yeah, my man Arnold. Yeah. <laughs> Why? <laughs> anyway, but yeah, so uh, his daughter wrote this book called uh, The Gift of Forgiveness. I think that's what it's called, but you know, something about forgiveness. And basically in each uh, chapter, she talks about a different story that somebody went through, like a really horrific story that like happened. Like I think one of them was like based on like a drunk driver killing her son or daughter or whatever. Not Catherine, but another person's son or daughter. And how that person uh, was really, you know, just on top of the grief. It wasn't even just all about the grief. It was also about the idea that this person actually, like, resented uh, the individual that killed the daughters. As if she could never let that go. And it was eating her life, like, really long. Like, a lot of years. And, you know, um, I guess Catherine working with her kind of, like, helped her realize the power of forgiveness. Like, um, you know, like, if you allow yourself to forgive that person, not because to forgive them for what they've done, but more so to forgive them for your own self and your own well-being, that that is the power of forgiveness. You won't feel that resentment. You won't feel that poison really inside yourself. It will actually like clear that out. And I do really, you know, I always bring it to like this metaphor. You know, the metaphor is like, uh, you know, the idea, the, the typical saying, like, are you the type of individual to burn bridges? Mm. You know, like, wow. so I, 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 I incorporated a lot into that metaphor when I work with people. You know, I always tell people like, yo, look, you're cutting bridges. You're burning bridges with that person. You're burning bridges with this person. You're burning bridges with that person. When I look at you and I see your city, it's all up in smoke. And that smoke, I can even almost like feel it. And yeah, you know what I mean? It's deep. And I always tell people, like, you know, um, I mean, I, I work, I process that with people, like, that idea, and, you know, we work through it. But me personally, like, I'm not the type to burn bridges. I'm the type more to decorate the bridges. Why is that? Or, or like, if I'm setting boundaries, I'll charge a higher toll Ooh. on each bridge rather than burn it. The reason for that is because I don't want my city to be up in smoke. Right. You know, and that, that city is part of me. That city is part of my life. Right. So, like, you know, I always kind of use that metaphor with people when I work with them. And, you know, a lot of people actually think about it and reflect on it. And it's actually pretty powerful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One, yeah. one additional thing just to add on to the shadow, which I, I also think shadow work is very important. Mm-hmm. And he says, find it and talk to it. Mm-hmm. And kind of having that dialogue, that internal dialogue is going to be very important in the process. And, again, he's very psychotherapeutic, which... I, you know, I enjoy very much uh, because it's like, let's go back a little bit. Let's explore. Let's let's heal. Let's transcend into a new space, into a new place. So yeah. find that shadow. Talk to it. We got to we got to reanalyze, man. We got to see what's going to work best here, because mm-hmm. apparently that shadow is not working too well in somebody's life. And it's time to kind of rebuild. Yeah, that shadow work is, yeah, definitely, like, I, I like the f- part where he was, like, telling Jonah Hill to, like, envision that shadow, like, envision it, right? And then take, think of all the things that you love in life. Take all those things that you love 
and just focus that energy towards your shadow. Mm. And I was just, I was, love is I was, a different one. Yeah, I was doing, I was doing that when he was doing it in yeah. the in the movie, and I was just like thinking of like the, st- the side of myself that I'm ashamed of, and yeah. like I started like piling up all those feelings of love that I got from like my mom, my partner, my my friends, my my family, and I just like try to like build up all that feeling of love energy, and I just try to like you know some Goku shit, just go <laughs> Kamehameha. And, yeah. it, and and like it just felt really good. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, for you, I, I guess you're so uh, such an expert in it, and also you going through your own therapy that something like that you can do pretty instant. Yeah, but I guess yeah. that's that's work that is yeah. very valuable, man. Yeah. Just by you saying that, I could feel it. You yeah, know what I'm saying it was like, like how valuable. It was like you know piling up that yeah. love energy, and it was like on some like Dragon Ball Z shit. Yeah, <laughs> like just, just super saying, super that, saying that, and like just. <laughs> Ah, but then like it's love though so it's not like i was like trying to like harm it i was just like mm. passing all this energy of love into it and um just like accepting Deep. that part of myself and and loving that part of myself and that gives me gives you more confidence it was actually a really good exercise Deep. Deep. like i really like i really like this documentary it was so mm. yeah like as a therapist watching this i recommend all therapists to watch it uh because of i don't know for me it was it was great i don't know I just, yeah i'm, I'm maybe I don't know, but I think it was great. But yeah, that's like the shadow work, and that was like the best one. Yeah, that I was a really like that concept, that tool. I'm, I'm even trying to like the next day after I saw a documentary, I was trying to find ways of incorporating that into my clients' okay. sessions. I was just like, huh, what, what, what are you ashamed of? You know what I'm thinking here? Like trying to go that way, but like you know, sometimes the clients just carry on the sessions, yeah, and, like talk about their problems. But you know, I wanna, I wanna definitely do that with with somebody because I felt like it was so powerful for myself. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, too. Like, this guy, again, his expertise, his profession, his years of experience, he got his own sauce, yeah, right? Yeah, and yeah. sometimes, as therapists, <clears throat> we have to find other therapists who have different kind of ingredients in their formula and grab some of that sauce and sprinkle it into ours, right? <laughs> Just to make ours a little bit richer. Squish, squeeze that shit into there. Yeah. Put that all over the Subway sandwich. <laughs> right. just to you know just to upgrade ourselves as well as professionals of course that's why I, you know i always read up on this stuff i always read all different types of books on therapy and stuff like that this is why like there's so many different paradigms continue education courses is also mm. a good way to go like you know that that continue education course to really enhance my expertise in like dbt and stuff yeah for sure and grief counseling so, like, you know, it's definitely important to learn from others and take these concepts and, and sort of see what fits for you as a sure. therapist. What was the next one he had? Is it radical acceptance? <clears throat> well, the next one here is the perfect snapshot. So the mind's image of a perfect, of a picture of perfect life experience, perfect house, perfect spouse, perfect work, etc. This is what he calls the illusion that once you get it, Life is perfect. Mm. It has no death or movement and doesn't exist either. Mm. Remember, go back to the three aspects of reality, right? It's constant hard work, uncertainty, and pain. Right. Even through the things that, even through your snapshot, you're going to experience pain. You're going to experience, you know, like, um, I guess, like, if I were to, like, reflect it on myself, once again, it's like, when I became a therapist, this is what I wanted to do, right? Like, I really had, like, a passion for talking to people and working with people and helping them through their problems. But obviously, there's a lot of pain that comes with this work. You know what I mean? Like, the stories you hear, the traumas you hear, the things you hear. So, like, even though, you know, this may be a little bit of my snapshot, which my snapshot is more like, you know, uh, just 
I don't even know. Like, <laughs> that's, like you know, that's another session. Guys. That's another session. But, you know, like, it's still not over. It's going to continue. Yeah. I, I like the perfect illusion because a lot of times we do have this illusion of ourselves of what is going to fulfill us. And part of the documentary is Jonah's talking about his fame and his money and his this status, but it still didn't fulfill him. I think this happens a lot to entertainers and famous people where they get all these things and you see them like they come crashing down or a hey, God forbid, even there's a lot of suicides in the entertainment business and, you know, they're still using drugs and this and that. And it's like, and you're, you know, as a poor person like myself, you're looking, you're like, damn, so... <laughs> You know, how why they had the money, they had the fame, they had it all. And how come they're not happy anymore, right? So it's an illusion of this is going to make me happy when really, you know, it's it's a process and it's really finding that deep insight into what is your core purpose, right? It's something we can get into in a whole other conversation. But that fake illusion of success is very detrimental. And that's what kind of he was talking about, like... This this might this might not be it, right? You have the hap, the the happiest I don't know best relationship with your wife and kids, and maybe you still don't feel fulfilled. So maybe there's something deeper in there that you have to explore with the therapist. There you go. So the next thing that he talks about is this idea of the maze, right? And he says that, and, and another byproduct of Part X is dirty work, an unsolvable quest for fairness or reason in life. It keeps you stuck in the past and prevents you from moving through life, right? So this is a big one because as he talked about this, I thought about a lot of my clients and like how a lot of people, you know, I guess when you come to therapy, a natural thing to talk about is your past, right? Like I think it just comes up naturally for many people when you start talking about your life is like your past. But for some people, I feel like some people are really stuck in the past in many different ways. And... The reason why I say this is because, you know, I think about sometimes when it comes to like, um, I guess like generational trauma, for okay. example, like, uh, you know, let's talk a little bit about that and this idea of being stuck in the past. It's like a lot of like um, parents sometimes feel like, um, you know, new parents, new parents, right? Like sometimes new parents feel a sense of resentment towards their kid because they feel like um, they're, they, they're giving them the life that they wish that they had, that their parents didn't give them. So in a way, I feel like in terms of the parenting in that particular situation, I feel like a lot of times these parents are stuck in the past as their life is moving forward, as their kid is growing and aging. They're kind of like looking at their kid like, like if you ever do this as a parent, if you look at your kid and you say to yourself, like, damn, you are lucky because you're not the child of my parents. Mm. You are stuck in the past. Mm. And that needs to be processed through therapy because there are a lot of things that go on within those feelings and it almost develops like a sense of resentment yeah. towards your parents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, through therapy, a lot of work that I do with individuals, especially like new parents, is I try to help them uh, understand where their parents come from, especially because I work with a lot of immigrant clients, like, you know, with immigrant parents that didn't have the benefits that we have today. And we think, you know, because we have this sort of, you know, um, I guess... A lot of us kind of have like a good, uh, you know, a better life than our parents did. Mm -hmm. It it um, definitely makes us feel some sort of like resentment, like easier that like, oh, why didn't my parents give us this? Like, why, why couldn't I have that? Why didn't they treat me this way? Well, especially with immigrant parents, a lot of them lack education. 
A lot of them lack, uh, you know, took the opportunity to come here from a different country and make a life for themselves. So just doing, dealing with all of that and then having kids on top of that, I think it's important for us to understand how hard their lives were and that they didn't have time to, to process their own feelings and things like that. They didn't have the opportunities to sit down and talk with a therapist. You know, we kind of do. And I just feel like a lot of times those type of individuals are kind of like stuck in the past that way. And it's important to process that and get through it and move forward. Hey, I feel like we have a whole session on uh, intergenerational trauma and parenting and partnership in that sense. You know, I think it's so important, like you said, especially immigrants and, you know, it's that's so many layers to it. But part of the, the maze that he talks about is that the maze is a product of part X. Part X is the one in there getting you all confused and amazed and not allowing you to take the path that's going to lead you towards purpose. It's going to have you doubt, go the other way, get spun around, go backwards, uh, you know, maybe they even move inside the maze as well, right? And he also mentions that maze usually involves other people. Again, has to do with the triangle of your connection with other people and how your connections are leading you towards your purpose. So I think the maze is actually an awesome example of just <clears throat> life, getting through life and navigating it and finding different people inside this maze who are telling you to do this or do that. And you making your own judgments of what path to take next when, you know, and not knowing exactly where the next route is going to take you. Mm. Right. Like having some sort of intrinsic kind of, I don't know, push or knowledge or insight or self-awareness to kind of continue to push forward into purpose. <laughs> big thing, big thing, purpose. What else we got in there in the cells? Yeah, so we got a lot of other things. Um, so basically, you know, the active love thing is what we already talked about with like the building up of that energy yeah. and kind of like passing it on to like a negative situation or person, right? I think, uh, you know, I've always been kind of always big on love, right? I don't know. Yeah. I'm just always all about like love rather than hate. Um, that's just how I am naturally as an individual. For sure. But um, I know everyone's kind of different. I know some people, it's harder for people to like love because of their life circumstances. Maybe they didn't have that growing up in a particular healthy way. Um, so, you know, it's, it's like an interesting thing to really like discuss is that idea of uh, love energy. Yeah, I think it's a big part. Mm -hmm. In my household growing up, we weren't allowed to use the word hate. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, it was and now that I'm older, I see the value in that mm -hmm. and how important it is to just kind of have perspective towards things, even things that are detrimental or seem detrimental or suffering or pain and finding the love in there. And I think that was actually one of his later um, one of his later concepts that he talked about in the movie as well. But yeah, all we need is love, man. <laughs> Shit. What is love? <laughs> oh, is that how is that Bob Marley song goes? Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to sing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so, <laughs> so the next thing he talks about, which is another important concept, <clears throat> and this idea uh, actually of radical acceptance, right? So radical acceptance is an antidote to judging yourself, others, or what could happen in your future. Not approval, just accepting parts of yourself that exist. Uh, radical acceptance is actually a, a tool, a therapeutic tool used and found primarily in DBT. DBT, is, once again, is dialectical behavioral therapy. DBT has its, its roots in helping people that suffer from borderline personality disorder. And uh, DBT is a very excruciating therapeutic process. Like it's, 
You literally have to do the individual counseling. You have to do the group counseling. Your therapist, you can, basically your therapist is on call. Mm -hmm. And this is why like DBT therapists charge a lot of money because it's like a lot, it's like a huge process. It's not easy and it's a lot of tedious work because people with borderline personality disorder are, you know, they have a lot of emotional instability. So they're constantly going through ups and downs in life. And, you know, it can be very hard for them to manage life because of that reason. So therefore, dialectical behavioral therapy serves as some sort of like, uh, you know, um, therapeutic intervention that helps with that type of stuff. And radical acceptance is one of the biggest things within dialectical behavioral therapy. And <clears throat> so talking about radical acceptance, when I tell clients about that, they kind of like think like, oh, um, so you're telling me just to accept everything as it is. Um, you know, I guess to a certain point, yeah. I mean, why do you think you're so anxious or so defensive a lot of times, maybe? You, you don't accept things for what they are. You kind of have this, like, conflicting energy towards a certain idea or ideology, and you kind of, um, you know, don't accept it. And that causes a little bit more stress and anxiety. Um, and sometimes in life, it can be very helpful, I guess emotionally speaking, to gain some form of acceptance in things that happen. Yeah, I guess for me, when I think of radical acceptance, acceptance, which I think is a very important term, is thinking like being as practical, but also optimistic and forth looking as possible. And what I mean by that is you have to accept certain things in your life, physical, mental and spiritual. And just the way, you know, you're kind of living day to day um, and also taking accountability i guess that's what i think of when i hear acceptance accountability of the things that both both are in your power and not in your power and also accountability of the past the things that were in your power and were not in your power um and sort of again taking tools to move forward in your life i that, that's that's what i think of when i hear radical acceptance but like you said dbt is a therapy that's very involved most people who are in therapy aren't in dbt actually it's 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 a very specific niche um yeah, yeah. it's very intense the continuing education courses on dbt are pretty ex uh, you know it's a lot of work it's like a whole month process of, of work to get in so yeah it's like like i think like 12 hours or something that's some serious stuff <clears throat> No, yeah, it is, it is. Uh, but yeah, so the next, so that's radical acceptance, which is important. Um, and then another thing they talk about, and they kind of go into a little bit of like grief. And I guess the reason why they go into the grief part is because I guess Jonah Hill's uh, brother passed away, unfortunately. And obviously Jonah Hill was grieving and, and you know, um, so they talked a little bit about grief and, you know, they talked about loss processing. So one thing I'm going to say about grief and working in pe with people in the concept of grief, I always tell people like, you know, grief is something that you never really um, get over. Mm. I, I mean, I, I I have to say, like, grief is a very tough uh, emotion and tough feeling to have to go through, uh, especially when it's someone that you were very close to and you loved. Um, <clears throat> when I do grief counseling, you know, a lot of times I tell people to, like, you know, try to find meaning within that person's death or untimely passing. I try to tell people, like, you know... Um, just look for look for symbols, look for meaning in things like, you know, whether it's like numbers or, um, you know, situations, you know, you got to emphasize on those meaningful experiences and incorporate it into, you know, your grief kind of. And I think that's a very powerful thing is to make meaning out of this 
ad, you know, very negative situation. Yeah. And I, one thing that I really like that he said was death and rebirth. So it's kind of like what you were mentioning, like it's become something else, right? Like it's not dying per se. It's like a, a, a beautiful worm going into a cartoon and becoming a, a butterfly. Like it's a rebirth of something that could be enriching in your life as well. Grief counseling, it's its own it's its own section as well. I'm not oh, yeah. a grief counselor. Um, I commend grief counseling and, you know, those who have lost. Because it's, that's, that's tough. I would say that's like top toughness. Oh, like man. Outside of if you guys want to hear a therapist perspective on grief counseling, I'll tell you right now. Um, yeah. So like, you know, during COVID especially, there was a lot of people coming in for like grief counseling. Right. And stuff. So like, as, as a therapist, as I was, you know, working and, and going through, you know, my own situations with COVID, um, you know, hearing people's like uh, grief stories about those that passed away that they loved, it really um, gave me some sort of like death anxiety. Mm. I'm not even gonna lie. Um, you know, sometimes it, it really made me anxious about my own death. Right. And every time I would think about these people's like death stories or hear them, it was hard for me to kind of like separate that at the door sometimes. So I kind of, you know, obviously I process it with my own therapist, but you know, the death anxiety there was there for a while. And I know, I know it had to have came from doing the grief counseling yeah. because I never had that before. I never had these intrusive thoughts of death all the time. Like right. what's going to happen when I die or what's going to happen like next? What's, where's the world? What, what happens? You just like, everything just shuts off. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, so then it, it made me really go into um, some spiritual shit and I got very like, um, you know, I got more deep into like religion and stuff like that. And that really kind of, I'm not gonna lie, like that kind of helps a little bit with that type of anxiety. Yeah, that's that's the last part I'm going to add, because I was going to say that as well. I think it's very important to add spirituality into it as well mm-hmm. as like your lineage of spirituality and, you know, what your parents and your ancestors have believed in in the past. I think that's very important. Sometimes it's left out of therapy altogether, like spirituality. And I, you know, especially working with Latinos, I'm like, I'm ready for that spirituality <laughs> yeah. talk because I yeah, feel my, like my therapist is a, a Latina and she always is like. Boy, I think you need Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> like, nah. I think it's important. Yeah, and then it's like, um, you know, it, 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 I'm not going to lie. It's very helpful to have that sort of perspective. Like, yeah. I, I, I also noticed that the people who are more religious, uh, I feel like they kind of get through their grief more uh, effectively. And that's why I say I think it's important to add meaning, whether it's religion, numbers, whatever, pictures, yeah. things like that, uh, situations, that's that's all important to helping alleviate that feeling of grief so you can be strong, more strong to help your family members process their grief. Yeah, I think that kind of connects to the next one as well. Um, well I think that's, the, that's just, actually, oh yeah, the grateful flow. The grateful, that's my favorite one. Mm. The grateful flow is my favorite one. Mm-hmm. What does it say about it? The grateful flow is that negative thoughts are like a dark cloud. The sun above it is the clear thinking source. Focusing on anything you are grateful for allows you to break through the dark cloud. Yes, 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 yes. <clears throat> I think this is one of, if not the most important and thing that I try to instill into humans. Not even just clients or my students or like my friends, my family, anyone is that gratefulness because, you know, at the end of the day, we're still alive. Like if you're watching this video up until this point, you're still alive, you're still breathing. You probably have your limbs. You probably have some sort of social support. You know, you probably have food in your table. And I think that me personally in my life, when I've seen the wall and, and, and felt the bottom, 
it was the gratefulness. It was the appreciating the presence, appreciating the last breath because I'm still here and I'm still kicking ass. So I think gratefulness is such an important part of life and being able to have that perspective of, hey, I'm grateful to even have a second opportunity, even though I messed up now. I'm grateful that, hey, I, at the end of the day, when I wake up, I say I, I'm, I'm winning already. I woke up, man. I, I could have died overnight. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's, I am <laughs> eternally grateful from the moment I wake up to the moment I go to sleep because I, this is not, I'm on borrowed time, man. I don't know when is, when is the end. So it's like whenever I see things, you know, too negative or I'm not hopeful or, you know, I'm anxious or I'm feeling down, it's like, I start thinking about those things in my life that I'm eternally grateful for. And it helps. It helps a lot. Yeah, great. You know, being thankful and grateful is definitely an important thing with life as well. Um, it definitely helps with a lot of like that dark cloud and that negativity. Yeah. But yeah, you said it on point. But um, <clears throat> so that's going to be for today's uh, episode. Uh, so today we, we talked about Stutz, the documentary. I hope this review was pretty helpful for people out there who um, are interested in giving it a listen. This was a faster, I guess, breakdown of the concepts. So, yeah, enjoy the movie. Enjoy and the movie, watch it, and comment below. Let us know what you thought of it. Oh, We'd love yeah. to hear your perspective. Don't forget studs. to subscribe. Definitely right, subscribe. So like the video. Stop fronting. Yeah. Right? I'm <laughs> take grateful care, for you liking the video. There you go. All right, take care. <laughs>